hey, do you want to come out and uh, play the game? <laughs> We're talking about camp today right here on the movie musical Shakedown. Let's get it going, folks. Kitchen! All right. You, sir, how about a shame? And in the end, should someone die? <laughs> My arms can please again. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're If you've ever felt different, how would you ever trust your prom, dude? I don't get that. Of course you don't get that. If you've ever felt alone. I thought you had to go to Weight Watchers camp this summer. We compromised and had a jaw wired shut. You can hardly tell. If you've ever felt like you don't belong. Sports counselor. We have a sports counselor. Think fast. There's a place you can go. Oh, man. I love this movie. Folks, we're talking about camp tonight. Right here on the movie musical Shakedown. I, of course, am your host, Chris Peterson. I am joined tonight. I told you on the first episode, I, I, the, the first episode would be the last episode that I would do alone. And, and I'm bringing guest hosts, I got a nice rotation of people. But tonight, we're kicking things off with someone who has been um, an integral part of Onstage Blog for those longtime readers. He is our associate Connecticut critic, Mr. Noah Golden. How are you, sir? Hello, I'm doing good, uh, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on tonight. First of all, this is the first time that you and I have actually spoken on the phone <laughs> slash Skype, so <laughs> it's crazy. A lot of emails. A, A lot, lot of emails, emails exactly. But uh, no, no, I mean, uh, when when I started doing these podcasts and you kind of raised your hand saying that you were interested in doing some of these co-hosting gigs with me, I was very excited because I know that you know exactly what you're talking about. I know that you love uh, movie musicals, and uh, I think you're perfect for this, man. I do. Thank you. I'm excited. I Yeah, I mean, I, I've done a lot of t- talking and thinking and watching of both uh, stage musicals and movies, and so um, I am happy to... Any, I'm always happy to talk about either one of those right? or both together. Exactly, exactly. So let me ask you. So we're talking about camp tonight. Now, this movie, I'm going to say for, first and foremost that... It's either a movie that people seem to love or they've never heard of at all um, when I bring it up to them. What, what are your thoughts on camp? Like, tell me about your experiences being introduced to this movie. So um, I, my chief memory of, of the movies, I remember seeing it when it came out. Um, it came out, I looked this up last night, in 2000, in August of 2003, mm-hmm. which is uh, quite a few years ago, yeah. um, which means I was about two months into being 13 so uh i'm now 28 so uh it's been a few years since i saw it so i remember seeing it when it came out and i remember sort of liking it but it didn't hold like any huge meaning or whatever i remember just thinking it was a nice movie and then um i watched it i rewatched it last night uh in preparation to um to talk about it today so that's really my only association with it i kind of remembered a couple of the songs i might have had like the cd or something back in the day um because i remembered a few of the songs um and i also read um like last year um anna kendrick who made her debut in her film debut in camp mm. um wrote a book um and called scrappy little nobody and yeah. i read i listened to it um about a year ago because i like Anna Kendrick, um, she's like short and sarcastic and loves musicals, like the things I'd want in a woman. <laughs> and so um, I read her book, and she has a chapter where she talks about camp and her experiences filming. So 
I learned a little bit there, but I don't have, I'm not someone who like grew up loving the movie or right. anything like that. Well, it's interesting for me. It was like, this came out and, and this actually kind of shows our difference in age. Uh, this came out when I was a junior in in college. So, okay. um, yeah, there, 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 for folks out there that shows our, our age gap here, but, um, you know, this was really before, um, social media had taken off, uh, and, and you really could hear buzz about a movie. But I remember, you know, being a theater major in college and hearing that they were making a movie about a theater camp. Um, and I remember everybody in our theater department was really excited about, uh, this movie coming out. And then we were kind of all wondering, okay, well, it came out. But it wasn't playing anywhere near us. It only played at a select few theaters, um, so we had to wait for it to come out on video. And I, we finally got to watch it like during our senior year. Um, and just like you, it was kind of like I don't I don't remember my exact reaction to watching it, you know, the first time, other than just being like, oh, this is okay. But then I had actually watched it a couple times um, since then, and um, it really kind of grew on me. There were there were moments on it in it where I'm, I'm like, man, that's really good. And then of course there's moments where I'm like, oh, that's that's not so good and whatnot. Uh, but I th- I don't think I got a lot of. I mean, I don't know because I don't remember. But rewatching it last night, the things that I most enjoyed were like the nerdy references to things that I wouldn't have <laughs> gotten when I was 13. Right. Um, you know, I didn't like really know company or like those kinds of things. So. Mm. Um, maybe that's why it didn't stick with me as much. Yeah. I'm guessing I didn't get a lot of those references. So let me ask you this. So general, like now you're watching it back, you know, uh, last night, um, and, and you're noticing things perhaps maybe you noticed before getting jokes that you didn't know before. What are some of the things that jumped out at you second time viewing that, uh, you didn't really notice before? Um, man, I thought, um, and uh, and maybe this will be an unpopular opinion. I thought it was a, like a highly entertaining mess in a way. Um, I thought the, the parts of it were really entertaining. The kind of musical theater references, I thought some of those were really funny. Um, I laughed embarrassingly loudly um, when they were singing Losing My Mind on the bus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I actually like, paused it because it made me laugh so much. Um so there were things like that that I thought were really funny. Um, and so the comedy worked really well. I thought the kind of more film stuff, the, the story and the character and some of that was a little shoddy. Yeah. Um, and um, not particularly like well-developed or interesting, but the sort of the performance aspect of the movie I very much enjoyed. And there was definitely some very funny uh, moments yeah, the, you know there the, were definitely uh, some yeah. there were definitely some um, inside like theater jokes that I I didn't pick up on before, and then watching it back like at one point like the first scene that you see Anna Kendrick coming in and seeing um, you know her her you know amazing uh, you know idol, the person that she idolizes the most Jill and Jill doesn't recognize her and and Anna Kendrick was like well well we were in Night Mother together last summer and it. What made me laugh this time around is I finally saw Night Mother. I was like, oh, my God, there's only two people in that show. <laughs> so the fact that, that yeah. Jill doesn't even remember <laughs> really speaks to her character. So that was a joke that I, that I got later in years that I thought was – just like you, I, I was actually laughed out loud when I, when I heard that. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of things that, that kind of that, – that spoke out to me um, during this as well. What else what – else, what other thoughts did you have on second viewing? Um, 
Yeah, well, and who doesn't love, like, a 13-year-old playing Joanne and company? Mm. Um, <laughs> great casting. Um, I, you know, I, I thought the cast was very good. You know, I think they all felt like, and this is like, something actually that uh, Anna Kendrick talks about in her book, um, that you could feel that they had a good time sort mm. of making this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about that they, like, filmed it out of camp. Actually, um, at they, at Stage Door Manor, the um, you know, the actual yeah. camp that it's based on, yeah. And they, I think, had a couple like weeks of rehearsal in New York, um, and that they were like very close, and you could sort of tell that, like this, I don't know, it felt like in a way a movie made like people went to a filmmaking camp and they're like, oh, we'll make a movie over the summer. Um, it kind of had that feel to it, like a scrappy kind of feel to it so i like that i think you know the cast was good they had good chemistry and um some of the performances were quite good i thought little um uh robin de jesus was very good Mm. uh long before um in the heights um and you know Andrew kendrick was good and some of the other um kids were quite good so i liked that part i thought some of the performance um sequences were very good um, but yeah, just some of the character stuff was either like very cliched or like they did a lot where they introduced a character and then it sort of never went in Right. <laughs> they never did anything uh, with it. Yeah. Um, it, it was sort of like four screenplays. It was like smushed into one. Right. Um, sometimes, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, enjoyed the, it. I definitely see what you mean. Like, it definitely jumps around a lot. There's a lot of subplots going on that really aren't, um, explored fully, uh, in the format that they filmed it in, and, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later in, in um, you know, like our our sections where we talk about does this get a sequel? Because I've got some ideas on that that I'm going to share with you uh, later on, which I think might make some sense. Um, but interesting factoids about this this movie: um, it was written and directed by a gentleman by the name of Todd Graff, who I wasn't really familiar with at all, other than knowing that he had been a Broadway performer himself. Um, and more or less he was a screenwriter. I mean, this is a guy that, um, he actually had a pretty nice directing and writing career actually post camp, which I was impressed with. I mean, he had, he did band slam, uh, he did joyful noise. So he's done a lot of like musical based films, uh, that are actually, you know, pretty, pretty good if you look at it. But, um, so I like to start off these things by kind of reading off the the IMDb synopsis. For those of you folks who are listening that have not seen Camp, hopefully you have if you're listening to this podcast because there's a bunch of spoilers coming up. But um, for those of you who might have not have seen it, here's here's the basic IMDb synopsis, which made me laugh because, well, you'll see why. So it goes like this. After a series of Broadway flops, songwriter Burt Hanley goes to work at a musical camp for young performers. Inspired by the kids, he finds an opportunity to regain success by staging an altogether new production. <laughs> now, what made me laugh, Noah, about this synopsis, it just really, they took, like, one of the subplots and made it, like, the main plot, you know, the synopsis of the movie, which I, I was like, that doesn't describe the movie at all. And that's a spoiler in and out of itself right? when you think about it. It really that's is. That's sort of the ending of the movie. Oh, my gosh. And to your point, I mean... There are so many, you know, just like you said, there's so many subplots and so many other interesting things. And, you know, I have to praise this movie for a lot of things. One of them is is its diversity. I mean, there's a lot of people of color. There's gay people. There's straight people. There's a really diverse cast. And yet we spend the most time with Vlad, and who's like the most non-interesting character of the movie. 
Um, so that was one of my big frustrations with it uh, as well. What, is, what are your thoughts on Vlad as a character overall? Yeah, he's very bland. He's very, <laughs> like, out of a, like a Disney Channel show in two th- He's like a Lizzie McGuire character or something. Uh, you know, he's, like, skateboarding and <laughs> this, like, 90s flannel or whatever. I don't know. He's fine. I agree. He's, like, the least interesting. Right. You know, I would have rather followed around um Let's see, what's his, uh, Michael, the... Uh, yeah, Michael Flores, yeah, uh, Michael, Robin uh, character. Well, I think even some of the, you know, the, the Jill and Fritzy storyline, like, I would have rather fought on some of those other people. Right. Um, and not this sort of bland, blonde kid. It was almost like they needed, they, they wrote the screenplay without Vlad, and were like, oh man, we probably need a male protagonist in this film, it can't be a true ensemble type of you know, film. So let's just create this, this boring romantic character, um, whose name is Vlad, which by the way, is the most random name I've ever heard for like, um, a a movie of from 2003. You don't often see Vlad as a character name. Um, more or less also a white kid from, from New York. So, um, yeah, no, I never really understood his, his character arc. Um, you know, they, they say, like, at one point he says, oh, I've got OCD and I take pills, but you never see him struggling with OCD yeah. in the entire world. <laughs> it's like, it'd be different if, like, he was like, you know, you saw some behavior patterns and then he has to take the pills. But all you see is him taking pills and you don't really know what those pills are for, but it never, <laughs> you never really explore well, that. And the conversation is like, I, I know you struggle because you're gay, but I count things. Like, there's a weird... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the burden of counting things. Yeah. yeah. There's a weird thing. And then you're right. It doesn't go anywhere. And then they try to introduce like, oh, he's like cheating on his girlfriend. But that also kind of doesn't go right. anywhere. Um, I mean, he, he kisses three different girls <laughs> in this movie. And it's a, a yeah. 100 and f- it's a it's a 111 minute movie. So he kisses three girls and he kind of like. He's leading Michael on, and I'm like, it, how far would Vlad take that before he, you know, <laughs> says, "Oh man, I'm not gay," and blah blah blah. And you're supposed to like him. I mean, the whole time in the movies, like, you want to root for him, right? And yet he's kind of, um, he's a joke. <laughs> you don't really like him at all. No, he doesn't do any. Really, I mean, other than the stuff that he has, like the interactions he has with Burt Hanley, um, there isn't a lot likable about uh, his character <laughs> at all. Um, and you're just, yeah, you, you're just, you couldn't, you can't understand. And then like at the end when they kind of say like his reasoning is like, I'm, I'm a, I'm addicted to attention and I just want to please everybody. That's just a very, that's a very weak excuse, um, for the way he's treated, especially women in this movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. He can, he can sing a mean Rolling Stones cover though, man. Oh yeah. That's this. I don't know the budget on this movie, but it, half of it must've been to music. <laughs> I mean, how do you get yeah, wild horses? Especially that song. That yeah. song, I feel like, probably went, like, half the budget. I mean, you get Rolling Stones in there. You've got Sondheim stuff. You've got... Yeah. Um, I mean, I just watched... I actually watched it, the movie with um, subtitles. And, like, the soundtrack has, like, Snow Patrol, like, early Snow Patrols in this movie. Yeah, um, I'm I like, did, too, actually. It's, it's really, like, oh, my God, a lot of music is in this movie. So that, yeah, you, to your point, yeah, they must have spent half the budget uh, on that alone. I mean, it's one of those movies where, you know, I felt like watching it in 2003, you probably could make the case that it's ahead of its time, in a way, with talking about some of the subject matter, like you know, sexuality and, and body shaming and things like that. But then when you watch it 15 years later 
with a 2018 lens, a lot of those themes are like, man, they are not talking about sexuality well at all <laughs> in this movie. It felt very proto-glee to me. Mm. It felt very like like the stepping stone of like, oh, we're going to get glee in five years. I don't remember when glee started. But it felt like y- y- you could see the kind of line to that, you know, the teen theater geeks and there's like the you know they're all outsiders and um i don't know you could you could see that yeah but interesting enough i mean in the 15 years since i mean you can make a case that it's it's a decorated cast i mean you've got robin de jesus who's had two tony awards nominations since this movie came out anna kendrick obviously academy award nominee a-list movie star um Unfortunately, it seems like she has to sing in every single role that she takes nowadays. But um, I think she's a fa- fantastic actress as well. And actually, it was funny because like I knew her only from from camp. And when I saw the you know up in the air when that came out and things, I was like, oh, it's the girl from camp, <laughs> things like that. So really, that her performance really stuck with me as well. Um, and but not a lot of people from this movie went on to do major major things i mean a lot of them have found success in various areas like some of them are dancers um sasha miller went on to you know compete in the voice and things like that but we really haven't seen anybody from this movie you know it wasn't really a launching pad for anybody other than you know anna kendrick who you could even make a case that say you know this movie wasn't necessarily her launching pad either yeah so um interesting stuff well let's get into the categories um because we've got a lot of them to talk about and this is a lot of fun where we can start to break things down. But first of all, the first section we got to get to um, is with any movie musical, there are four major components that I feel uh, make a successful movie musical. And that is obviously you have to have great singing, dancing, acting, and, and design too. I mean, I think with any movie musical, you have to have an element of design in there too. So let's go down each one, singing, dancing, acting, and design, and rate what we think is, you know, top 10, uh, 1 to 10. Rate, rate them 1 to 10. So I'm going to start with you, Noah. Let's start with singing. 1 to 10, how would you rate the singing in this movie? I thought the singing was pretty good, especially because mm. the kids are so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Sasha Allen can really sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I vaguely remember her from The Voice when I – I wouldn't remember, but when I looked her up last night. Um, you know, I thought the singing was probably the best thing in the movie right. in some ways. Um, I don't know. Let's go, uh, for, given that they were so young, um, I am going to give them a seven. A seven. Wow. You know, it's funny. I actually, I had, I, I was watching it too and I was really great in the singing and, um, there were, there were, you know, obviously Sasha Allen in that first number is amazing. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Taylor at the end when, you know, her, her jaw is you know, cut and she can finally open her mouth, uh, which we'll talk about her in a little bit later on about. And where did they find the dental equipment to open the jaw? Right. (laughs) Well, the the guy, the Cuban director just grabs a a pair of pliers. (laughs) Like that's like, that's not good at all. Like that's not, that's not good. Um, But she, you know, she obviously phenomenal singer. Um, And, you know, obviously Anna Kendrick and, you know, the girl that's singing Follies, uh, who I found out, you know, her name is um, Julie Kleiner. Um, there, there's a bunch of strong voices in this in this movie, and I think I agree with you 100%. I think the singing is the best thing about this movie. So I actually gave it like a nine because I was like, 
you know, I, I yeah, I kind of went down the line and said, who's who really is a terrible singer here? And and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I, I actually gave it a nine, so a little bit higher than you. But I think we both you know agreed that this is you know the singing aspect um, was the best part of this movie. And to my knowledge, every single person's voice you hear in that movie is their actual voice. Like no one was dubbed or anything like that. Even Vlad, who I was like, maybe that's not his actual voice, but no. I found out that he's that's actually his singing voice. So next section, dancing. Um, like I said, with any movie musical, choreography, dance numbers, you know, for musical nerds, they love seeing that on on screen. So choreography, dance numbers. What do you what do you have one through ten? I thought that I mean there wasn't that much um, choreography. Mm-hmm. I thought what there was was good. There was like the only big one, at least I'm thinking of, was like the. Oh God! What show is that from? The the the, the Turkey. Oh, promises, promises, Turkey Lurkey promise, Time. Promises. Yeah, that is not a show I know at all. Um, <laughs> You're not missing much, I promise. <laughs> so I don't really know that number. That was like the one big dance number, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah, they're really you know, yeah. I I thought they did fine. I mean, it wasn't particularly memorable dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I. Just because of the lack of it, um, I'm just going to go straight in the middle and go a, a straight five. It was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Could use more uh, of, it. of the dancing. Yeah, I actually, I you know what? It's funny. I, I feel the exact same way. I gave it a six. Um, I thought Turkey time the choreography there was fantastic, um, and you know, for someone who knows Promises, Promises, and I've and and it's I've seen it a bunch of times, not necessarily by choice. Because, uh, you know, and people can come at me for this, but it's it's not a great musical. Um, it's it's really the high point choreography wise in the entire show. So the energy that you saw in that number, um, I thought kind of matched what you would see if you actually saw the musical uh, itself. And you're absolutely right. There isn't a lot of choreography in this movie. I mean, there's that. There's the tap dancing stuff that you see during the showcase right. performance at the end. And then during the end credits, you've got Want of a Nail. Uh, but it's not like they're doing an advanced choreography. They're kind of just moving in, in different sections. So, yeah, there wasn't a lot of choreography. I think the focus really on this movie was the singing, on uh, not so much the dancing, which is weird because it's a musical theater camp, and you figured that there would probably be you know, equal bit parts in, in both those things. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, let's move on. Acting. I think, you know, a lot of people with, with movie musicals, they tend to... Uh, you know, not concentrate so much on the acting performances, so to speak. But, you know, obviously when you can't be singing the entire film, so there has to be times where the acting comes into play. Um, Noah, your thoughts on the acting for, for camp? You know, again, I thought the acting was, was good. I mean, I thought they, they cast for, for a bunch of um, non-actors, in the case of a lot of these people who hadn't had a lot of credits, um, I mean, I guess Anna Kendrick did because she was on Broadway as a kid. But uh, as far as I know, people like, you know, Robin DeJesus didn't and Sasha Allen, a lot of these people didn't have a, a long resume before this movie. Um, and I don't no idea what Vlad did before this. Um, <laughs> I thought they, you know, I thought they were all good. I thought um, they had good comedic timing. Um, you know, the, as we said, the, the, the writing and the characters they were given were a little wonky but um i thought they did well um you know uh i don't know i'm not good with these with the numbers here um 
but I, you know, again, let's go, um, let's go, a, let's go a seven again. Yeah, that's. I think that's a, that's accurate. I think you know it, it's young in everybody's career. Um, you know, obviously, if you make this movie now, I think you're getting a much different movie with the experience that some of these people have. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you know there are, but there are glimpses. I mean, you, you know, Anna Kendrick, there there are moments where you see flashes of what's to come. Um, and, and that impressed me. Um, I, I think Alana Allen, who plays Jill, kind of her, you know, the, the, the diva yeah. of, the, of the group, it truly embodies that character every bit, you know, 100%. Like, you believe that she is terrible. Like, she is a terrible human being um, in, the, in, that, in that role. And, and I think that she did a great job. Um, also, Joanna Chilcote, who plays Ellen, who I think... Yeah, she was good too. She was, yeah, she's great, and it's one of those roles. It's that, you know, I, I, you know, not to be obscene, but I call it the shit on role, where basically she's just getting shit on the entire movie, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and and doesn't really, to, you know, get the payoff in the end, so to speak. You know, she doesn't really have her moment of glory or resolution. She's just kind of like, all right, Vlad, I forgive you, and blah blah blah. But like, you know, throughout that entire film, she does have some nice moments there. And so, yeah, I think I'm right with you. But yeah, there are, there are moments with Vlad too, where I think it's during the scene where like they're rehearsing that, that play with that. They're in the uh, dumpster called midnight sun, which is a fictional play. I found out. Um, and he says something along the lines of like, Oh man, I don't know if I could do that in front of 3000 people, you know, think, and it's just some of the ways he does some of his line readings. It's like, dude, do you know that you're, you're acting right now? Like things like that. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> there are moments, and Robin DeJesus, I think, does a great performance. I think he's actually the best actor um, in the entire film. So, yeah, I think I'm right with you. I think a six, seven um, on the acting is is pretty accurate. Uh, on well, that and part. I think it's interesting that we talked about how all the kids are unknowns, but I thought actually the least compelling performance was like the one adult, yeah, the guy um, Don Dixon, who I guess is like a most who plays boat. I guess he's mostly a music producer. Mm-hmm. When I looked him up last night. Um, and a and a musician and a writer and but uh, yeah he's not great in this movie. <laughs> um, well, his his yeah you don't yeah you don't buy his his uh, transformation much. No, and and it's funny because he goes from like just bumbling, grumpy, alcoholic, but with no real physical damage of the alcohol, not showing that whatsoever. <laughs> right. But then, like, you know, when, after the kids play his music and he's all happy again, he's like, oh, man, I, I care about life again. He's still drinking. <laughs> he doesn't – like, I don't know if you, if you remember this. Like, you know, after yeah. they do the benefit performance and Stephen Sondheim in his, like, glorious cameo is walking out, like, Bert's mixing, like, vodka with a Coke can. And, like, he's, like, pouring an entire nip into the, the, the Coke can and drinking it. I'm like – so he's he's basically just not – he's instead of being a grumpy – drunk he's just a drunk now so that's like well you know i mean that's an interesting point that actually i didn't think about but i but until you said that and we're talking about um the ocd plot at the beginning i think that's problematic of this film like setting up characters and then not doing anything with them right right right? it's like oh he's an alcoholic and then but there's no manifestation of that it's not like oh he's falling i mean i guess they show him once when he's really drunk but you know, it's not like he's getting into fights. It's not like he's unable to direct. It's not like he's, you know, having all these problems because of his drinking. Um, you don't see that. So then it's like, okay, why, okay, that's fine. He is like pouring vodka in his Coke or whatever, but <laughs> but it doesn't go anywhere. 
it's just it's even even Sondheim couldn't make him stop drinking no it's like oh my god Sondheim's there but yeah no it's um and well I I have a question about Sondheim later on that I'm looking I'm I'm interested in hearing uh, what your thought is on that finally let's let's move on to the next section design now this movie you know obviously it's you're not getting like Moulin Rouge type sets and of course you didn't have a high budget but um what are your thoughts on the design of the film there what would you give it oh I thought it looked good it's a little i mean it looks like it was shot for not much money which i'm guessing it was mm-hmm. um because they spent most I, of the budget on music so because they, they they paid um they paid mick jagger for wild horses mm-hmm. um yeah i thought it looked fine um i thought some of the i mean i um so my day job is doing video editing so i like notice editing a lot i thought some of the editing was a little shoddy as mm. well um just just not very like it wasn't bad. It just wasn't very elegant. Or, um, so, uh, I mean, I would say maybe like a four. I thought it was okay, but yeah, not not great. I mean, I think the nice thing was that they actually filmed at Stage Door Manor, the the summer mm-hmm. camp. So that helped. Uh, they didn't have to actually look like they had to build anything for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I would say like there were little things that I'm like, you know, oh, they probably could have made that a little bit better and whatnot but again like what are you going to do with the budget that you have so i think within what they had i think it was fine and i think a five six uh would be an accurate rating for that so i'm going to stick with five um when it comes to the design itself so let's move on to the next section numbers that we could do without now we all know with movie musicals and it depends on the actual musical itself sometimes if it's based on an actual stage production not every single song is going to make the cut into the movie because obviously these cannot be four-hour movies um but Obviously, camp is a different situation where uh, it's not based on an existing musical. It's not based on anything prior to this. So instead of saying, you know, typically we would do numbers that we we needed that were, you know, cut from the film uh, that we wish were in it. But we're not going to do that this time. We're just going to say numbers that we could do without. What what song do you feel in this movie? Eh, we probably didn't need it. Um, so I'm not I'm going to I'm going to change your question a little bit. Go ahead. I'm not going <laughs> to. There's not a number that I think like, oh, I don't know if we needed that because there's not that many. And I think they all kind of serve a purpose. But I think I, I um, the the scene where they steal the sheet music from Boat and they perform it. Yep. Uh, I'm uh, I'm sorry, but that's a terrible song. Right? Uh, like, is that just me? You're, no, because I, I actually wrote down Century Plant as well as the one song that we probably didn't need. And they feel it as like this like this, he comes alive and all this great music that's been sitting in the trunk that you know the world needs to hear this great music and then they play it and it's terrible like it's just a terrible song so um that didn't convince me that he needed to like go back into musical theater because that song wasn't very good so i would have picked a new a different song for for boat's big uh welcome back number right I, I, I 100% agree with you. I also wrote down Century Plan as the number that we probably could do without because, yeah, lyrically, it doesn't make sense. Like, And again, I watched it with subtitles. And at one point, they're talking about a guy riding his bike from China. Um, and it just like it, the lyrics make no sense whatsoever when you look at them in sequence. And even melodically, it's not a great song either. It's like you're listening to five different songs kind of mixed together at once. And... Um, what, what's funny to me, and I thought maybe, okay, like, 
okay, they, you know, they, stu- they stumble along this treasure trove of unreleased songs and things like that. But, you know, interesting, interesting enough, when Vlad brings that sheet music of all the songs to Ellen and Ellen's like, you know, scrolling through, at one point she says, oh, this one's not so good. And I thought to myself, maybe that was Century Plant. <laughs> like, like maybe the one that yeah. she finds is Century Plant. And Vlad's like, you know, to hell with you. We're gonna we're gonna perform it anyway. Um, yeah, maybe that one belongs back in the trunk. Right. Um, and then I thought maybe like the reason why Bert like like if you notice like when they're playing it and Bert like comes in and he he's, like sees them playing it and he, like I guess he like rolls up a piece of paper and then he walks out storming out and he's just standing outside the barn. I th- and then what what cha- his change happens so quick he like sprints back in <laughs> to play piano. Yeah. I right. thought the reason he did that perhaps was because it sounded so terrible that he needed to come too. back in and correctly play it. I, I thought he was going to be like, oh, God, this song is terrible. <laughs> I am a bad songwriter. And then he, yeah. In one Get me second, a beer. No, I got to play. I got to uh, play. Yeah, because the other one's like, I presume they meant that he wrote like the stuff in the benefit. and Maybe even he wrote. Uh, what's the, the the want of a nail right. song? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought that was a pretty good song. It's right. catchy. Um, like maybe he wrote that, which you know, okay. But yeah, planet. What's it called? Something planet. Century plant. Planet. Yeah, not not, not century good. plant. Not a good song. Well, what's funny too is like there's there they did like this double shot when they were filming that entire sequence where the, this actress, uh, the young girl who plays uh, Brittany. Um, who's like the youngest of the female ensemble, like she starts singing the song and as she's singing, she like, like looks away from her, her lyrics and like gives this look of like, I can't believe I'm singing this beautiful song. Like she gives this look of like, oh, like singing this song is like heaven. And don't get me wrong. If, if you're an actor, if you're a musical theater performer, we've all had those moments where we are, when we're singing something that's truly beautiful, we're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like this sounds so good. And she, it's funny because she has that look twice while singing Century Plant. And I'm like, yes. where is... I know. It's like, it's like they just uncovered Seasons of Love or something. Right. Except it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. oh, my God. So, yeah, we're, we both 100% agreed. Century Plant probably could have done without. Substitute with something else entirely. There you go. All right. Next section. This is, this is where it gets a little fun. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say where it gets a little fun. We've been having fun. But this is where it gets a lot funner. Um, what's timeless about this movie and what's dated. So let's, let's do this. Let's go back and forth. So I'll start with you and then we'll go to me and then back and forth, Noah. So let's start with timeless one. Give me one of the things that you feel is timeless about this movie. Um, what's timeless about it. I mean, I thought a lot of the jokes held up. I mean, I think, you know, I mean the, the, the shows themselves are older mm-hmm. when you think of company and, um, I, th- I believe Promises Promises is also like a 70s kind of era musical um, so f- given that um, I thought a lot of that held up really well mm. I thought the musical sequences held up well um, you know as we talked about I think that's probably the strongest part of of the movie um, and, and I mean I think in general the the overall sort of message of acceptance and all of that is nice i mean it's cliched but yeah. you know i think that's all held up fairly well for me one of the one of the, the timeless things that i found was the personalities of theater kids um mm-hmm. that's never gonna you're always gonna have people that worship the altar that is sound time you're always gonna have the high school theater camp diva that is the diva within that that bubble 
and outside of it, no one's going to care who that person is. Uh, things like that. Um, I, I thought they did a great job of, of capturing those. I, I also liked how like they kind of viewed this straight boy as being like this unicorn that comes to theater camp. Like, and yeah. and as a straight man myself who attended you know a theater school, um, I could I kind of felt that too. I was like, oh yeah, like I'm the I'm rare here. Things like that. So. That I thought was pretty timeless. Anything else that you thought was timeless in this film? Uh, I mean, I think those are the 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 the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree that I think the characters, you know, have good in the the ones that they're given good personalities. I think that they're, they're given good personalities, and yeah, I mean, I thought some of those tropes were very funny. A little bit over played like i feel like it was like one too many like i'm a theater kid i don't know what a baseball is right. sports you know what that? it was like multiple jokes that was like okay you know right maybe that's the dated section and i got there too early but um <laughs> but in general in general i i, I agree with what yeah. you said a lot too one thing that I, I also felt was timeless too was you know after ellen you know has that that interaction in the diner which by the way we're like we're, you know, where, how did they get to a diner off campus? Uh, off campus is another question I have about, but whatever. Um, after she's like bullied by by Jill, she she goes up on a roof and is listening to her, herself sing. And I was like, you know what? Sitting on roofs and collecting yourself and, and pondering things that's also timeless. I mean, I, I think I don't think kids will ever stop doing that. You know, going on roofs, <laughs> things like that. So that I felt that was timeless as well. Um, what's dated about this movie? Now, granted, this was two thousand three. And at the time, we could say that a lot of things were ahead of its time for 2003. But now in 2018, some of it doesn't come off as well as it used to. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to start with, you know, what? give me one thing that you thought was dated. Uh, I mean, I think, like I said, I think there's a little, the, you know, the sort of caricature-ness I thought went a little far a couple times of like how they were just oblivious to everything else. But, mm. you know, obscure theater um, geekery um and i mean i think it's not exactly dated but i feel like since then we've seen a lot of these stories you know like i said there was five or whatever seasons of glee seven seasons mm-hmm. um that covered these very similar the gay kid who's not accepted by his parents and the the you know bitchy diva and mm-hmm. the you know, we've just seen a lot of these characters a lot since this movie, and it makes the movie feel a little dated. Definitely. Just in general. Definitely. I think, yeah, that, I think, over-the-top meme directors is also a little bit dated. I don't think yeah. you really see, like, there's that scene where they're they're rehearsing Midnight Sun in the dumpster, and the guy, like, when Ellen says, like, I don't understand what I'm saying... He comes over and he's like, that's because you're a middle-class piece of shit. And I'm like, who says that to you're an actress anymore? Um, he was like 12 years old. Like, right. Not exactly, yeah. It's, I, it's I like, thought, oh my God. Like that's, and then like, you know, <laughs> Tiffany Taylor's character is like, I got to go to the bathroom. And he's like, pee in, the, pee in the dumpster. I'm like, what? Like, no, no director today would do that. And if they did, they would be fired like immediately for saying yeah. such things. Uh, I also think what was definitely dated about this is the body shaming. Um, in this movie, yeah. um, not because it's you know body shaming doesn't exist today, but in this in this realm, it just it's so cliche. And the way that they do it, I feel nowadays if if people are being body shamed, it's not necessarily so direct anymore. Um, it's more vague and subtle, and 
you know, you really have to kind of read between the lines if someone's truly being body shamed. In this movie, it's like, it's direct. It's like, at one point, Fritzy tells the girl that's thinking about doing Turkey Lurkey time saying, look, you know, I want to, you know, they're going to be wearing halter tops here, you know, right. <laughs> things like that. And she tails her costume about, um, yeah, and the and the, the body shaming towards, um, and I don't remember her name, the one with the jaw wire. Oh, yeah, shot, yep. Um, um, who, you know, is... Um, Jenna, that's her name. Jenna is is a is a fine looking young woman, mm-hmm. um, and you know they're just like the parents are just like piling on her, and you know, and in the end, I guess she has a moment, but the father still looks slightly unhappy. Yeah, um, it, it, he's not like, and and by the way, there's no like scene after that song where like geez. you get a resolution where he's like, "Hey, I'm sorry for being such a jerk." Um, you just see him nod and like mouth something to himself, like, "Okay, I get it, I get it." Yeah, I feel like they like get in the car and he'd be like, "That's a great job, but put away those fries." Like, right? He'd still be. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that that I I don't I don't think any parent would probably wire their kids' jaw shut to get them to lose weight. I mean, I don't think that happens uh, at all. Um, also, you know, something that I felt was dated. Um, was the slight whitewashing that you got in this movie? Like, there was a great scene where the two the two um, African American uh, kids, Petey and and his younger brother, come in as Jewish characters from Fiddler on the Roof, um, and he's like, that's you know, a great scene. that's a great scene. And you know what? That was a scene where I was like, man, in two thousand three, they got it. He's like, I want to play roles that are my brother and I can play. Like, I want to see us on stage. I'm like, yes. And then they do Dreamgirls. I'm like, yes. And then they have Ellen playing <laughs> Effie. <laughs> like, and it's a really big jump cut, too. I completely agree. I like that scene. I thought that was really funny. And he makes a great point of, like, I want to be in The Wiz. Or I can't remember. He yeah. lists some show that he wants to do. And it was really great. And then he's like, he gives in. And then it's like jump cut to Ellen in, like, that big dream goal. Beehive, page. yeah, haircut. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> And, and then there's like a black girl standing, but I can't remember. If it's D like, D like Tiffany, uh, uh, D, Sasha Allen standing behind standing her, right behind her, who will not sing at all. No, it's like what? What's going on? It, here? it was yeah, hilarious, and I, I'm like, and I'm, I I made sure I counted like at least in the principal cast list of this movie, they had three African American actresses in the actual cast. I'm like, you could easily have one of them playing Effie there. Um, so I don't and know. The big dream goals were like that ten-year-old boy is playing, like the, the, <laughs> the love interest. Or yeah, something. Jimmy, I think his which, name is. Yeah, which uh, interesting, interesting casting choice. Right, and it's one of those things where I, looking at it, I, I sat and thought about that for a while. I'm like, did they do that on purpose? Like, was that yeah, like truly? I, I mean, who knows? Um, but it was. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, also, I thought was a little bit dated about this movie was, again, thinking about 2003, definitely ahead of the curb at the time, but now 2018, definitely behind the curb, is is how they deal with sexuality in this movie. Um, you know, I think there's a conversation early on between Vlad and Michael where, like, Vlad's like, how do you know that you're gay? Haven't you ever tried anything with girls before to, to know for sure? I mean, that does not play well in a 2018 lens, um, so to speak, like, you know, the only way that yeah. you can know if you're gay is by trying stuff with women and not liking it. Um, and that... then he does sleep with the woman and right. he's like really happy about it, but that also doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, again, that D. Plot very, that plot confused me right. very much. And again, I felt, you feel terrible for D. Like, in that, I mean, she just gets <laughs> yeah. used 
in this movie, and it's just yeah, it doesn't not not great at two thousand eighteen lens. And then at one point, like Ellen getting mad at um, Michael, and she kind of has this like yelling rant. She yells at Michael and says, "There's no such thing as bisexuality," which I'm like, "Ooh, that does not play well either." Um, in 2018, because we know that that's, you know, it's obviously a very real thing. Um, so yeah, they, they, it's one of those things where I guess if you're watching in 2003, you can definitely appreciate they're trying to start that conversation. They're trying to get it out there and make sexuality on screen, you know, more, you know, mainstream and things like that and get, you know, the conversation started. So I definitely appreciate it then. Uh, but yeah, going, looking at it now in a 2018 lens, there's, there's a lot of it that's, uh, that's dated. So. Yeah, it came from a good place. I mean, it yeah. does feel like it's a people are trying to open a conversation, but I'm not sure they sort of did it in all the best ways. Exactly. So before we get into our awards for camp, um, Noah, I've got some lingering questions I want to ask you. And, and I mean, this is spur of the moment, folks. I did not prepare Noah for these questions. But um, And if, if you have an answer, great. If you don't, if you just want to say, you know what, I have no idea, that's fine too. So my first lingering question is, so during Vlad's audition where he's singing Wild Horses, the directors react like, holy shit, this kid's amazing. He's straight, which, by the way, I don't know how they determine that by him playing guitar <laughs> and singing Wild Horses. <laughs> you know, it's because like, it's a pop song. Because, it, because I guess, yeah, gay people don't like the Rolling Stones. Because a gay person would never know the Never Rolling pick, Stones. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I was like, so they have this amazing straight boy that can sing, and then they cast him in a play. <laughs> Why yeah, did, that's very true. Why did they do that? Tell me, Noah. <laughs> um, why do you the think they reason, did that? For the same reason they let a very long guitar solo happen in a <laughs> during the audition. That's the thing that confused me. I was like, what's with the, what's with the 16 ball guitar solo? Listen, um, we want to see your audition, but this guy's got to you know, do a cool riff here. It's like the band members have like equity uh, hours or something they have to do. Right. Um, who, according to IMDb, was the band from Rent? But yeah, um, that, that was the band from Rent, which I thought was pretty cool. But oh they looked out of place in that in that camp. Um, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. I don't know why they would pick like the one, uh, you know, male lead and put him in this um, kind of weird Beckett play. Right. And if um, you think about, I mean, that's the thing that drove me crazy is that when you look at the. Um, the num the the actual shows they perform that week. I mean, you've got promises, promises, which has a bunch of romantic leads. You've got follies going on at the same time, and then it's like, no, we're gonna throw you in a dumpster and have you just scream, you know, no, like, like it doesn't make sense. The ca- that casting made no sense. That's a very good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, no, that's a very good. All point. right, my next question. Here we go. Um, how does Vlad? Like, why does Vlad freak out when he sees Burt Hanley, Hanley, but he has no idea who Stephen Sondheim is? Like, yeah, I that's also a good point. I like, oh my God, Burt Hanley, who wrote this one musical, this one hit wonder called the Children's Tree. I, I gotta look back on what the heck. Uh, the, Children's Crusade. Children's Crusade. Thank you. Which I always thought I get mixed up with the Children's Hour and all these other things, but the Children's Crusade, this apparently obscure. Musical and Vlad says that he was in a production of it uh, yes. in school, and he has no idea who Stephen Sondheim is. How? Uh, well, he he followed a girl into the musical, supposedly. Mm. Um, You're right. That's what he says at one point that he followed. A, I can't remember if he tells Boat or that or Michael that, but um, he tells someone that he followed a girl into the rehearsal room, and he 
fell in love and he thought he loved this musical and it was so authentic even though I'm not sure how he'd know that if he's never seen a musical before um maybe that's why he thinks that the planet is a great song because he doesn't know musicals <laughs> it's crazy uh, yeah that that one really bugged me for a while as I was watching I, this movie. yeah that yeah I don't I don't know. He's he's very specific with the with the composers that he likes. And on the flip side, how does Ellen like Ellen says at one point she knows all of Joni Mitchell and yet she has no idea who Neil Young is. Like they're from the same like music category in the same like decade. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of the same flip side of what I was saying earlier that bothered me with the like what's a basketball? <laughs> that whole like, you know, these are like theater kids who know every word of these obscure musicals and they're like a rock band like they have no (laughs) no, I don't know where that's coming from I'm Uh, wondering if like there was like a scenes that were cut where like the the gym like the the actual sports counselor like teaches that kid how to play basketball like was that movie I want to see I want to see that (laughs) theater kid becoming a jock like discovering a love of basketball because like you're right when they when he throws that basketball at him the kid reacts like what is this what is this thing coming at me am i supposed to catch it like it's like he just threw a knife at him or right? something. yeah totally oh my god like these kids have never seen a ball and, yeah, before Joe, and yeah neil young like he like all these and there was another reference to some other band oh when he puts on hip-hop or something and they're <laughs> like what what is this music this drum this like, beat they were very yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, it just the, the, there were a lot of those questions. So those are my big linger. I mean, there's probably more I could go on and on with, but those are my big lingering questions. Um, that oh, my last one. So did did Fritzy like was Fritzy trying to kill Jill? Like she puts laundry detergent in her something. We yeah. never know what she actually puts it in. Um, but when she looks at the warning, it says, like, don't keep away from children. Like, because, like, this will kill you. So, like, was Fritzy legitimately trying to kill Jill? Yeah, I feel like Fritzy's one of those weird characters where she belongs in another movie. Like, she mm. belongs in, like, a in like a weird uh, horror suspense movie. Like, she's right. a troubled, weird little kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, she... she poisons her once and then she they hint that she does something again right she like puts something in the makeup to give her like boils or something like that um to like so that she could perform one song in this camp (laughs) show um yeah she's a she's She's an interesting character yeah child i don't know what's going on with her well it's funny because like when um when Jill finally, you know, it's when Jill finally says, "You know, Fritzy, I'm I'm done. This is crazy. You're nuts." It's because like she fi- she catches Jill, or she catches Fritzy washing her underwear in the sink, and like apparently that was too much for Jill. But at the, like twenty minutes before that, she's got Fritzy making drinks for Vlad when he comes and visits her. Like, you know, what do you want? Fritzy will make you a bug juice. And like, it's like so apparently like fetching drinks of bug juice is not weird, but you know, washing underwear that's that's a step too far for Jill. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, and I almost thought they were going to go in this weird, like, oh, does Fritz? I mean, which they kind of hinted at that she's like maybe in love with Jill in some way, but they, like right. it does not go anywhere. And then, yeah, you're right. Then they have this fight, and you never see either one of them again. Nope. They're not even in the closing number. Not even the closing number. <laughs> like they're gone. So, like, they're vanished. They kill each other. Like what well, happened? Well, apparently they say like you know Fritzy's got multiple fractures, and you know you know Tiffany Taylor has to go on. And it's like, wait, what? Multiple fractures? Like. 
Yeah, I need something. And then never talked about again. Never talked about again. But uh, you know what? I've got something else on that later on. I want to. I want to okay. run by you. So there you go. All right. So those are my lingering questions about camp. Let's talk about the awards now. These are the fun parts of of the awards section here. So we can talk about certain things. We have three awards to give out for camp. The first is called the Barbara Award, obviously named after Barbara Streisand, who I feel, and come at me, folks, if you disagree, is the best voice on musical movie history, period. Uh, a lot of people want to say Julie Andrews and other people, but Barbara Streisand, for me at least. So I'm calling it the Barbara Award for who we feel is the best singer in the entire movie. Noah, your choice for the Barbara Award. Um, I think I gotta go Sasha Allen for that first number. Um... Mm. She's really, really good. I, the woman who the I, I feel bad because I can never remember her name. The woman with the jaw. Um, I thought she sounded good. Mm-hmm. Tiffany um, Taylor. Yep. Yeah, Tiffany Taylor. She sounded good, but I think I'll give it to um, Sasha, Sasha Allen. Allen. The, you know that is such a high. A hundred percent agree. I mean, I think that it's a weird, it's a weirdly shot scene, and it feels a little out of place of like what's what's going on here. Like nothing, nothing yeah. really. I mean, if they were doing throughout the film like those like Chicago breakaways where the musical numbers are taking places in people's minds and things like that, that that whole sequence would probably make a little more sense to me because um, it definitely feels out of place. Like, what's what's going on during this this first scene here? There's no context. No context whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, it, but the yeah the vo- the vocal performance is so good, and and that's a gospel song that I'd never heard before, uh, before camp. But since then, you know, obviously I've heard a bunch of versions of it, and yet I still I still have yet to find someone sing it better than Sasha Allen. And there's again, it's a weirdly shot sequence, but again, I think I think you're right. I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think Sasha Allen definitely gets uh, the Barbara Award, and it's funny because again, you've got Broadway veterans you've got recording artists you've got anna kendrick you've got all these people that are amazing singers in this movie and yet sasha allen definitely takes home that award although she's also i can't remember what now but i know she's also been on broadway a few times yeah Um, i think she was in um in things bear a pair uh bear a pop opera on when that was off broadway um yeah but she's been in a couple things you're absolutely right so um yeah sasha allen there you go all right, here we go. Oh, she was in Hair. That's oh, what she was in. She was right. in the Broadway company of Hair. 100% correct. You're playing, absolutely right. Playing uh, Dion. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I saw that, too. I probably should remember that. Um, thank you, Wikipedia. Thank you. <laughs> exactly right. All right. The next award. We're calling it the Russell Crowe Award because, I mean, it doesn't really deserve a lot of explanation. For anybody who's seen Les Mis, Russell Crowe practically brings down that entire movie with his singing voice. Definitely one of the worst singers. I probably could have also called it the Pierce Brosnan Award for Mamma Mia, but for now, we're calling it the Russell Crowe Award for the worst singer. Um, and sometimes in a, in a movie, like I did with Grease, it's not necessarily the worst, it's just the least good, so to speak, across the board from good singers. But, Noah, your, your choice for the worst singer in camp. I don't think there was a lot of... I mean, out of the people you heard, I thought they were all quite good. There was no one... There was no Russell Crowe... Um, there was no one who just looked like bored and vaguely constipated through the whole thing as Russell Crowe did. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't have a good answer for that one that I can remember. Well, here's mine. I'm gonna, no one stuck out at me. Yeah, let me give you mine. So there's, I was again. You're, I think I'm with you 100. percent There wasn't really like someone who I'd say worst doesn't belong in this movie whatsoever. Um, it's just a least good amongst greatness, so to speak. But I'm going to give it to Alana Allen for her, for Jill because 
we don't hear her sing a lot. We hear her in the you know the group number of Turkey Lurkey Time, which is more of a character voice. So I'm not going to count that. But then we do get snippets of her singing "Ladies Who Lunch" before Anna Kendrick takes over, and it's not great. She doesn't have a great voice, and I would actually venture to guess that she's probably not a singer. Um, she's more of an actress. Um, and I think again, when you're up against somebody like Sasha Allen, Joanna Chilcote, um, Anna Kendrick, um, all these you know Robin DeJesus, again, you're, you're it's tough to, to beat any of those. So I think. You know what? I might go out on a limb now and maybe, not that he's bad, but maybe say uh, Vlad because they hype him up so much. Yeah. And he's like every bland white guy with a guitar. Right. Um, uh, so I, I might give it to, give uh, it to Vlad? Uh, Daniel uh, Letterly, maybe. I don't know how you pronounce that man's last name, but I might give it to Daniel uh, mm-hmm. who plays Vlad. I'm, you know what? I, I could agree with you there. So I think that's good. Two good choices. Um, you feel Vlad is the worst, uh, who gets the Russell Crowe word, and I'm with Alana Allen. So there you go. Good choices all around. The final award uh, we have, and this is actually an interesting one, it's called the Bumlet Award. And the Bumlet Award is named after a character in Newsies, the movie, the original movie of Newsies, played by a guy named Dominic Lucero, who sadly has passed away since then. But in Newsies, he is the guy, if you watch King of New York, that number, he's the guy spinning on the fan at the end of that number, which, and he, and if by noticing him there, you then notice him in every other scene that he's in because he is far and away the best dancer in that entire movie. So I wanted to name, I wanted to create an award for someone who is in the ensemble, background, whatever, who just constantly pulls your focus during certain scenes. And you're saying to yourself, that is by far and away the, the best ensemble background person in this entire movie musical. Um, so the Bumblet Award. Noah, who's your choice for the Bumlin Awards? Um, not necessarily for the musical numbers, but I loved the 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 little the little African American boy. Mm. Um, I don't remember his name, but he just he was so deadpan. Yeah. About everything, and and everyone was like, first of all, everyone at that camp looked like they were you know teenagers some looked like they were older than teenagers but they were all like around teenagers and then there's like this one eight-year-old like i don't know where he got in to this camp since he looks younger than everyone else there Mm -hmm. but um he just everyone else was like having such a good time and enjoying it and every time you saw that kid uh Petey or is Petey the brother Petey's the brother i'm trying to find yeah i'm trying to find the um the little kid i don't remember his name but he he just is so deadpan. Yeah. Um. And he's only in a few scenes. I think his, like, I think his name is Alston, maybe. Oh, Alston, maybe. maybe yeah. yeah. Um. He's not not that he's like the best singer dancer, but um, he's like the background character that just made me laugh. Yeah. So, um. I liked if his name is Alston, I will go with him. You know, it's funny. I think there there probably was a larger subplot to his character that was probably cut from the film but um yeah no absolutely my award goes to an an actor by the name of or a character called patrick uh who is played by an actor named patrick cubage or cubbage um he is the little he's the guy that gets the basketball thrown at him um because if you watch him in all the group numbers like turkey lurkey time and other stuff he's killing it when it comes to choreography like and I mean, he must have been like, I'm going to guess between 10 and 13 uh, when they made that film. Um, so again, I'm, I'm like marveling at this kid's talent singing and dancing throughout it. So like during Turkey Lurkey time, he's absolutely crushing it. Um, 
you know, during the, the terrible century plant singing, um, he's he actually sounds pretty good. So he gets my my personal word. The, the runner up for me was uh, the woman who's singing I'm Still Here uh, from Follies because her vibrato is just so fantastic. Um, and again, her her the actress's name was Julie Kleiner. But interestingly enough, uh, both Patrick Kubich has actually gone on to become a really successful um, dancer. Uh, especially in the modern lyrical scene. He's got a lot of videos yeah. on YouTube. And again, looks nothing like he did as a kid. He's got long hair, a beard. It's a really in- interesting transition. Uh, and then Julie Kleiner's also been in a bunch of stage stuff as well. So, uh, But yeah, my, my Bond Little Word goes to the little kid Patrick who is just confuzzled that there's a, a <laughs> sports counselor at the camp. It was good, and I and I'm still there. I'm still there. Lady was good too. Oh yeah, my I god, mean, her like vibrato was great. Of like the 14 year old singing the you know Elaine Switch. <laughs> there old you lady. go. <laughs> All right, last question, and this is the last section that we do. Does this get a remake? Now, here are my thoughts, and I'm going to throw some. I'm going to pitch some ideas to you, know, okay. and tell me tell me if if you're like, man, I'm on board with that. I don't think this should get necessarily a sequel but a tv show mm-hmm. based on camp where you know each season we get a different slew of kids you know each season kind of goes through the entire summer because again to your point earlier where we had so many different subplots going on i'm like man if we just had like a like a 13 episode order on netflix yes this could be phenomenal what are your thoughts on that a tv show based yeah. on camp? i mean i agree i mean i think i think we have seen things like that since then, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, um, you know, like I said, something Glee, or wasn't there that show that I never watched, but um, NBC had that, like, theater, theater show. Oh, Rise, Rise, Rise. yes. Um, which, brutal. they were doing Spring Awakening or something, I never actually watched it, um, with the girl from uh, Milano or something. Yep, Milano, yep. Um, and uh, so, I mean, yeah, I... I I don't necessarily fully go into that because I do think there has been stuff like it, but um, I agree that 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 a TV angle or a multi-episode angle is probably the way to tell a story like this. Yeah. Because you know, I would gladly watch like an entire hour-long episode of like the Fritzy Jill story, <laughs> or you know, an hour-long episode about. PD and the brother, right. uh, you know, like struggling to be in the uh, fiddle on the roof, you know, um, like all those side characters and stuff are really good. And even, you know, I feel like a character like Michael could, there's more they could do with him. And, um, you know, like the, I liked the drag, um, like birthday party. I think it was a birthday party yep, yep. scene. I thought that was kind of a nice scene. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely more you could do with these characters, mm-hmm. um, and this setup, and maybe that is the way to do it where you, definitely. you know, have more time and you get to follow them and maybe each, you know, bunk gets their own episode right. or each show and have it all gets intertwined. Yeah. Or something. Um, and culminates with a big performance at the end of the season. So yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. The other, the other project I would pitch you. And let me if, see if you're is a it's actually a, it's a sequel, a spiritual sequel, if you will. Uh, but this time it's a, a horror suspense movie where we get to watch what happens with Fritzy, because yeah, if she's willing, been, <laughs> if yeah. she's willing to poison people at summer camp, what else is she willing to do to make it to the top? <laughs> like, and not for nothing. I, I now because it's Anna Kendrick, like, yeah, 
<laughs> like that would be a movie I would watch. I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, <laughs> like, I, I agree. Uh, I agree. It, did you see this is a weird little side side story? But I, like a couple months ago, uh, if you heard of the movie Thoroughbreds, no, um, it's a very good movie. It's with um, oh that actress. She's been in a bunch of movies recently. She's very kind of interesting looking. She's like big kind of almond shaped eyes. Um, Anna something Taylor, I think. Her okay. Name. Um, but it's um, it's a, it's a really kind of cool suspenseful movie about these two rich girls um, in a private school, and mm-hmm. they one's kind of weird and one's popular, and they like hatch a plan to do something uh, not good. Um, I'll say so I won't spoil anything. Oh, but I'm looking yeah. at it now. Yeah, Aunt Olivia it, Cook, and then Anya Taylor Joy is the other one. Yeah, yeah. Anya Taylor Joy, that's her name. Um, but I feel like you could you could make that kind of movie with Fritzy and uh and Jill. Yeah, right. I would totally. Maybe she just like got out of prison for poison <laughs> Jill. Like I'm think I like in my vision I'm thinking like like she's graduated from college, probably did something terrible to get into college, probably did terrible things while she was in college. Now she's out let loose in New York City trying to make trying to make it on Broadway. Like what is she willing to do? Um, and it could yes. be a, a fatal attraction type and just call it Fritzy, you know, Fritzy, like, <laughs> like and you know what? Like, Anna yeah. Kendrick, and, and to your point, well, go ahead. And, and you might have a future to this because one thing that I do remember that, uh, Anna Kendrick talked about in her book is that she's, she's talking about like now she like loves playing weird, creepy, yeah. you know, people. But at the time, she did say, like, it was kind of hard because she was, like, I don't know, 15 or 16. And, 16, yeah. Um, and, you know, it was her big movie. And she talked about in the book that it was really hard that, like, all of her friends who were in the movie got to, like, look nice and be, <laughs> like, attractive, <laughs> yeah. you know, likable people. And she's just, like, this weird, greasy-haired, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> sociopath. And at that age she was like oh god like why can't i just look pretty and right. dance and but i feel like um, but yeah i was yeah. gonna say if, if someone pitched up and because to your point too also in the book she says that like she hasn't cried at the rap of a movie since camp um so she still holds this movie in high regard so if anybody's listening that has anna kendrick's ear please pitch this movie to her because i guarantee you there would be a huge response, like, oh my god, Fritzy the movie. Like, <laughs> I'm on board. And interestingly enough, here's a cool factoid I found out, that Todd Graff um, actually confirmed that he was working on a sequel to Camp. And the whole idea with that would be that it would take place years later at the same camp, different cast entirely, but just at the same you know, camp ovation, as it's called. Um, and they actually created a website called camp2themovie.com um, and set up a whole Indiegogo campaign. However... As of January 2018, uh, the website had been shut down. So it looks like that's not going to happen. Um, but again, I think a TV show, like a Netflix 13-episode, uh, one season, and to see how it goes, I think that would be a great idea. And obviously, you and I are both on board with Fritzy the movie. I think that's... I'm on board with Fritzy, yeah, and maybe bring back like Robin DeJesus as like a counselor. Right. You know? Bring on one of those people. Um, and now that he has some clout from... Uh, you know, in the Heights and, and uh, <laughs> some of the other things he's done. Crazy, crazy. Well, that's that's everything. You know, we, we're that's that's the entire show, folks. That's exactly everything I wanted to talk about tonight uh, when it comes to camp. Noah, any final thoughts on camp before we close the book on it? Uh, I think we've t- 
talked about just about everything. I mean, yeah. I thought it was fun. I'm glad I watched it again. Um, I had some good laughs, but it's it's uh, it's probably not one that I will return to. Right. <laughs> it's not it's not one of those movies where it's like I could watch this a hundred times and no. never get sick of it. I could probably watch it like five times if, and then I could probably get sick of it. I think, again, to your point, I think in 2003 it served a phenomenal purpose. Definitely ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Now watching it a decade and a half later. Um, again, oh my God, 15 years later on the dot almost. Um, yeah, there's a lot of dated things about it as well. But I think, again, launched a lot of careers. Um, and it's a fun movie. I, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a movie that I think anybody watching it would have a tough time hating it. Like you really would have to have it out for people in this yes. cast to say, like, I hate camp. So Yeah. Well, and even the things that are not good about it, like, are the fun things that, like, they're, they're the fun things to sort of laugh about. And, you know, um, it's, I think, just talking about those things today, you know, it's not things like you're mad at the movie for. They're just, like, funny, weird things. Exactly. This movie tries to do and doesn't succeed in. Exactly. Well, folks, that's it tonight. That's all we wanted to talk about was Breaking Down Camp, movie that both and I know it, enjoyed watching. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast as well. Like I said before, we are doing this every single week. Um, you're actually, this is this is a treat. You're actually getting two episodes in one week this week. But we'll be back uh, in the next couple weeks as well doing more of these. Um, like I said, there's hundreds of movie musicals out there. There's only 52 weeks in a year. So, I mean, I could be doing this for six or seven years. I'm having so much fun with it. So thank you so much for joining us uh, here on the Movie Musical Shakedown. We will see you next week with a brand new movie, which I will announce uh, on our social media accounts um, soon. So be on the lookout for that. Noah, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, and thank you for listening, everyone. Absolutely. This will be definitely one of many... Um, uh, spots that Noah will be doing with us uh, on here. So again, thanks for checking us out right here at onstageblog.com and we will see you folks next week. If you've ever felt different, how would you ever address your prom, dude? I don't get that. Of course you don't get that. If you've ever felt alone. I thought you had to go to Weight Watchers camp this summer. We compromised and had a jaw wired shut. You can hardly tell. If you've ever felt